Great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Those words were very powerful, John, and uh, those words have a lot of meaning. Uh, when we praise God together, uh, there's something spiritually uh, amazing that happens. And in that song that, that the worship band just uh, sang amazingly, give it up for the worship band. If you could just, they're doing a great job. But those three words are powerful. Great are you, Lord. And today we're actually going to be looking at uh, giving thanks to God together. Uh, the title of my sermon is Giving Thanks to God Together. If you don't know, my name is Brian Drummond. I'm the associate pastor here. Uh, super grateful to be here today with you all. And uh, I'm super thankful as well. <laughs> um, would you go to God in prayer with me as we uh, read his word together? Uh, dear Lord, thank you for... Uh, just being with us, for loving us, for giving us grace, for giving us mercy, for uh, just being uh, not only a part of our lives, but being uh, everything that binds our lives together, God. I pray that would be uh, us today as the church, that we could focus on you, that you would be the center of our lives, the center of our ministries, uh, the center of everything that we do, God. Uh, We praise you and we thank you so much. It's in your wonderful name, Father God. Amen. Awesome. So we're going to this season of Thanksgiving. Uh, for many of you, you guys might think of uh, really good stuffing or really good turkey, right? Some smoked turkeys. Uh, what, are, what are some things that you guys would say you're thankful for? You guys can shout them out. Um, anything you're thankful for. It could be family. It could be friends. It could be food. I love food. <laughs> Not more than my family or friends, but food is pretty good. It's pretty high up there. <laughs> So shout out some things that you are thankful for. Family. Health. Health. Music. Music. Reading. Grace. Grace. Sunshine. Fellowship. Fellowship. Awesome. Those are all great answers. That's awesome. And today, I'm going to tell you guys what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful for each and every one of you. And you're going to see that Paul, in this, in this letter, we're going to be in the letter of Colossians. Uh, it's a letter that is written to the church of Colossae. But it's not just written by Paul, which is very interesting because most of the letters that we think that Paul writes to the churches are written just directly by Paul. But you'll actually find that Timothy is also writing this letter alongside Paul, kind of like a coworker or a, a ministry partner. It's pretty cool to see. And so we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 together in verse 1. So it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and, once again, Timothy, our brother, uh, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So let me give you uh, a brief background real quick of this text. As you can see behind me, you'll see that uh, Paul and Timothy wrote this letter together in AD 62, and that it encourages believers uh, in the church of Colossae. And so this church isn't a very big church, neither is this town. Uh, This town is actually very, very small. It's actually one of the smallest towns uh, in Asia Minor. And so Asia Minor uh, back then, it was called Asia Minor, and uh, this, this city or this country it would be part of is also known as Turkey today. 
So uh, it's a very small town. There was a problem going on in the church. There was a spiritual uh, concern that needed to be addressed um, in, the, in the church. And so what exactly was this spiritual problem? If you'll see in the next slide. There was false teaching. Uh, so there was false teaching, disunity, and focusing on spirituality instead of on Christ. So I'll explain to you the false teaching. The false teaching was that there was this guy that rose up in the church and was basically proclaiming that he had this awesome spiritual powers and he could do so many great miracles and so many great things, but he was directing them away from Jesus. He was making himself great and not the creator, Jesus, God, great. And so that was one big problem, is that there was false teaching going on. There was false doctrine going on, which then brought on disunity within the church. Because some people were like, no, like Christ is the greatest. Christ is above uh, this false teacher or whoever this person was. And so there was this big uh, butting heads between the people in the church. And so Paul writes this letter to address this problem and say, hey, guys, remember Christ. Let's look at Christ. And so we're going we're gonna to continue going as we go to, uh, through the book of Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 1. So it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, uh, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. And so what you guys are going to see is grace to you. Grace to you is the first part. Grace to you is that grace, it's not just talking about, because for one of the things that they were focusing on wasn't about grace or sin. They were focusing instead on being this like super cool person with a lot of power, a lot of wealth, and being spiritually awesome. But Paul is saying grace to you and peace to you from God our Father. And so just in the very first couple of verses, he's already starting to talk about God, our Father. And so that's uh, just an introduction, but we're going to continue going. This next section is also titled Thanksgiving and Prayer. We thank God for you. And so I want to say, I thank God for you. Uh, Paul was very thankful for these people uh, because these people, he did not actually uh, start this church. So all of these churches that were uh, Different churches in, like, for example, in Rome and, and other places. He started some of them, but he did not start this one. This one, he actually discipled someone. He poured into their lives, and this person named Aphrodite, or uh, the short-term version is Epaphras, uh, actually went and planted this church. And so he has a lot of investment into these people. He has a lot of time praying for these people. And how do we see that? It says in verse 3, We always thank God, who's we? Timothy and Paul, uh, the Father for, uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. It says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid for you in heaven, of this you have heard before, in the word of truth, the gospel. And so, verse 4, it says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. So one thing we know is that even though this church 
might have been small, there was a lot of spiritual things that were going on that were still really good. Now, I'm going to say that again. Even though this church was small, maybe in numbers, there were a lot of good things that were going on in this church that were spiritually good. And I would say, uh, this church is awesome. We might not be super big in numbers, but you guys are awesome. You guys are doing some really good things that are spiritually, spiritually very good. And so I just have to say, I'm thankful to God for that. And in verse 5, it says, Because of the hope laid for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. What's the gospel? What would you guys say is the gospel? Good news, Jesus. Any others? What would you say is the gospel? New Testament? Awesome. Yes. There we go. That's really good. Um, One of my professors said it like this. There was creation, right? Everything was created. God said it was good. Then what happened? Then there was this fall, fall of Adam and Eve, which brought sin into the world. But then there is a hope called redemption. Redemption. So it's creation, fall, redemption. And then after that, what do we have? After redemption, we have new creation. And so that is something that we hope and look forward to, which is uh, Jesus himself. And so I I think it's a really good way to uh, think of the gospel, is creation, fall, redemption, and then new creation. And so that is the gospel. It also is, the gospel is us realizing our sin, realizing our brokenness, our deep need for God, and then coming to him in a place of humility, saying, God, I need you. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm not great. I'm not amazing, but I need you. And realizing, coming to that place where you realize that God loves you and that he's going to accept you, is, is, it's amazing. It, it is one of the best things that you can do. And I definitely recommend it in my life. I've seen it in so many people's lives. And I've seen their lives go from a place where they hit rock bottom. And it's like completely uh, just sinful and and going through times of brokenness and shame and regret. And then I've seen them commit their lives to Christ and be changed and transformed. And so that is so important. And that is the gospel. That is the power of the gospel, is seeing lives changed and transformed. Would you guys say, yeah, that's true? Right? Because if if I'm up here preaching and, and teaching, it's not about head knowledge. Head knowledge is, yes, a part of it, and, and that's important, but it's really about heart transformation. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is where God is reaching down into your heart, and he's saying, hey, here's your heart of stone. I'm removing it, and I'm giving you a heart of flesh. I'm giving you a brand new heart. That is the gospel. And so that's something that we get to look forward to. Uh, when we hear it at our, our church, we get to hear it um, being preached, and we get to read it in the Bible. It's the hope of Jesus. And so that is one thing that we know about the gospel. And what is the word of truth? It's God's word right here. It also says, uh, if you go to John chapter 8 with me, this is not on this slide, but John chapter 8.
verses 31 through 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, right here, if you abide in my word, also Jesus is the word, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So by knowing the word, but also not just this word, like the Bible, but knowing Jesus and having a personal relationship, that is how you find truth. That is how you find truth. Because today, a lot of people are like, well, whatever you see, right, is your truth, right? And that's what you believe, right? And we've seen that in the book of Judges. That didn't go very well for them, right? That happens a lot today. But we as believers, we can see this is important because this is what the truth is. This is the true, uh, this is everything that is in this is true. And I believe it is 100% true. And I do base my life off of this truth. If there's anything that's consistent in my life, uh, it would be God and his word. And those are two things that you can uh, see that are always consistent. Sorry, I need a bigger pulpit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> need a little desk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, verse 6. Which has come to you, so the truth and the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit, and it's increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. So why is it increasing? Why is it it says, that the gospel has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Well, you see, this church was small. It was the church in Colossae. It was really small. It maybe had 20, 30 members uh, at this time. But it was growing in spiritual depth. It was growing in love for God. And that's where it was increasing. And when people love God... They want to share the gospel. And when they share the gospel and they share what God has done in their life, that brings transformation. And that, wants, that makes other people want to see that transformation take place in their lives. Because they're like, man, why is that person so loving and so kind and gracious when I wasn't kind to them? And really, a lot of us, we are going to be people, the only Bibles that people read, the only gospel that they see. And so for us, we are a light to people. We are something different in this world. We are loving, we are kind, we are gracious, merciful, and we care about people. And in this world, there's, there's definitely, I don't know about you guys, I'm not trying to get political, and I, I definitely am not, but I'm just saying, there is definitely a lot of division. There's a lot of different perspectives and views. But the great thing about the Bible is this view that Jesus gives us is truth. And this is the perspective of the Bible, which is to love people, to be kind to people, to be gracious to people, and to serve people. And like Dr., well, one of, one of my professors, I won't say his name. <laughs> I almost said his name. But he told me, the best way that you can remember to focus on the gospel and to serve people and to not focus on uh, anything that's like taking you away from God or, or 
taking you into temptation or taking you into a place of darkness is to love on people, to serve people, to serve God, to serve his church. And, and I found that true in my life. When I'm focusing instead of on myself and like how I'm doing, and instead I'm focusing on God and how, how I can better uh, serve the church, it has helped me transform and change my life. And it's, it's the same for all of us. When we uh, focus, instead of focusing inward and focus outward, that is one place where we can see transformation take place. Verse 7. Just as you have learned it from Epaphras. Okay, so the, the large or the, the full name of this guy is Ephroditus. Uh, our beloved fellow servant, he is a fellow and faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Let me give you guys a little brief uh, history of this guy. He's an awesome man where he basically, uh, he's friends with Paul and Timothy. They're like pretty close. And Paul and Timothy were discipling him. And they said, okay, we've spent enough time with you. They, they weren't like tired of him or bored. <laughs> but they were like, okay, you know the gospel. You are ready. We are sending you. We are sending you to proclaim God's word. And so Paul, I don't know if you guys know this, but Paul and Timothy, they were big on what we call being a sending church. A sending church, which is so important. Um, it's, 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 it's necessary. It's essential if we're going to be a church to be a sending church, to send people to plant churches, to share the gospel, and to proclaim God's word. Because... We want to see lives changed. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see the good news of God. And, and that's so important. And so uh, Paul said, hey, Aphrodite, it is time, my brother. It is time for you to go out, to be on your own. Uh, but I will continue writing these letters to you. And so what does he do? He writes this letter of encouragement. And uh, Ephroditus, he goes ahead and he plants this church in Colossae. And, and this is where we get the church Colossae and also the book of Colossians. So, he said he's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. So he's the pastor of Colossae of this church. He's basically the senior pastor and has made known to us your love in the spirit. So, what makes him significant? What would you guys say makes Ephroditus significant? He shared the word. He's faithful, yes. He, he planted this church, and so he's helping guide uh, these people in their doctrine, in their theology, their teaching, in everything that they're learning. And so Paul is telling him, hey, there are problems going on in your church. Let me help you. Like, let's, let's fix those problems so we can better serve the Lord. And so that's, that's, that's what Paul is doing and, and Timothy. And so uh, they're trying to mentor him and say, hey, there's no perfect church, but your church is awesome. There's a couple problems. Let's fix them. And so that's, that's really good uh, because Paul was very intentional uh, when he mentored people, he made sure that he wrote these letters and that if there was something that was going on and it needed to be fixed, he would send a letter. And oftentimes, it wouldn't be in a comfortable place that he's sending this letter. It wasn't like he typed a letter 
sent it out and Staples emailed it to them, right? No, it wasn't that easy. He was like literally writing and oftentimes, where was he? In prison, yeah. Not the most comfortable place. I'm not sure. I don't know. I've never been there, but I'm sure it's probably not comfortable. (laughs) And so Paul is is writing this and, and we just see the intentionality of Paul. We see his mentorship, his guidance, and we see that this a guy named Ephroditus who planted this church has a heart for the Lord because it says he was a faithful minister of Christ. He was a faithful pastor. Uh, he just, he basically uh, had that mentorship from Paul and Paul's guidance, which was helpful. And it says in verse 8, and has made known to you, or to us, your love in the Spirit. So he also loved in the Spirit. He had the Spirit. Um, every believer uh, that accepts Christ has the Holy Spirit inside of them. And the Holy Spirit is uh, what allows us to proclaim the gospel, to share the gospel. It allows us to have spiritual gifts of like teaching, uh, different types of spiritual gifts. There's even a a spiritual gift called administration. There's different types. It's very interesting. But the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us and helps us when we don't know what to say, when we don't know what to pray, uh, when we don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit is inside us, and it convicts us, and it it shows us when we're wrong. It shows us when maybe we're doing something that we shouldn't, or maybe we should do something that we're not. And so the Holy Spirit is in us, and it's teaching us. So in a way, the Holy Spirit is a helper. It's, It's also a guide, like a tour guide, I guess. So it takes us uh, throughout our, our walk with God and our journey, and it shows us, hey, don't go there. Go this way. Hey, don't go there. Go this way, right? That's the Holy Spirit. It's continually guiding us. Uh, verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So, for one, I want to explain something to you. Walking with the Lord is not legalism. Ash and I have been reading through a book uh, called Disciplines of a Godly Man. It's a really good book. I recommend it. Uh, It's basically, it's teaching us uh, how to have spiritual disciplines in our lives. And it's super good. But there's a difference between what we call legalism and then uh, spiritually being disciplined. There's a big difference. Legalism is motivated by yourself or inwardly um, where, man, I got to be so good. I got to look great, be awesome, right? But then there's discipline, which comes from loving the Lord. It comes from wanting a relationship with God and being intentional. And it comes from... uh, selflessness. Instead of being selfish and, and like focusing on yourself inwardly or, or actually outwardly, uh, instead, being spiritually disciplined focuses on the heart and working inwardly uh, to serve Jesus. And so that's, that's one big thing. I love uh, what Micah says in Micah 6.8. So if you have your Bibles, uh, Micah 6.8, it's in the Old Testament. This is what uh, walking with the Lord looks like. 
It says, he has told you, O man. Who is he? God. God has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So I think those three things are very important to walking in a manner worthy of God. One, to do justice, to be fair, to be uh, walking in a way that is ethically and morally correct, right? Not walking in, in darkness or sinfulness and continually sinning, but instead living for the Lord. To love kindness, that means to love on people, to show grace and mercy when they've messed up or made mistakes. Um, love, it says in, in 1 Corinthians, love covers a multitude of sins. And so love, it, it really does help when we love on people. Uh, it really does help us uh, to love God and to love people when, when we're, we're showing that we care about people. And then to walk humbly with your God. Um, that's the first place I would start is walking humbly. Don't think you're perfect. Don't think you're amazing. Don't think you're all that. Remind yourself, you are a servant of the Most High King. You are not anything great because of yourself. You're only great because of our God. So I'm going to say that again. You are not great because of yourself. You are only great because of our God. And, and that's so true because um, we, we as people, we're, we're sinners. Like I said in my last sermon, we're both sinners and at the same time, we're saints. We're, we're saints because of what Jesus has done on the cross, but we're sinners because of what Adam did when he brought sin into our lives. So we are... We are all works in progress. We'll just say that, okay? <laughs> but yeah, humility is very important. Even when I think about reading the Bible, whenever we read the Bible, uh, we should be coming with humble hearts, ready to listen and hear what God has to say. Because I think too often, we're just, right? No, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but sometimes it's true. Even I, like, right? We want to talk and say our own opinions, but sometimes we don't just listen to what God has to say and, and what his advice is on what we should do. And so I think, I think being able to be humble and listen to him is super, super important. And I think Paul says that too in this verse. Uh, verse 11, being uh, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance, patience with joy. Being strengthened with all power. First, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For we have been given a spirit not of fear, but a power of love and self-control. So all of us as believers, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have power. We have power to speak life into people. We have power to overcome temptation with God. We have power to love on people and to be kind to people. We have power when we're afraid to stand up and, and share the gospel, we have power to be able to do it and to overcome our fears. We have power. It says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. It's important that he put endurance, patience, and joy in here because every walk with Christ, you need patience, 
right? Because things are going to take time. Sometimes God uh, doesn't answer our prayer as soon as we'd like, right? It's not like Amazon where you guys get two-day shipping, right? <laughs> or uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but they're like starting to do uh, shipping like one day overnight or even like uh, within a few hours, like the same day. And it's like with, they're starting to do drones and stuff. It's pretty crazy, some of the tech stuff. So uh, it's not always like that it's for us when we pray. It's not always going to be the same day or the next day or two days. It might take longer. But we can trust that God is faithful and that he's true. It says, for all endurance and patience with joy. So the patience, uh, it takes endurance in our walk with God as Christians. Why? Because things come our, our way. Things come and difficulties happen. Life happens. Uh, trials come. Uh, we lose people that we love. And, and life gets difficult. But when we set our hope on Jesus, when we set our hope and remember that Jesus is with us and is helping us, that is where we are able to have endurance. We're also able to have joy. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness is like, wow, I, I just got $10 million. Woo! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or, or a car, right? That's what the world thinks is happiness, right? Like, they think, they think that. Well, joy is different. Joy is something with satisfaction. It's that our satisfaction is in Christ. Our satisfaction is in God. Our satisfaction is not in, in the way life is going or in the way uh, things are being handled in the world. Our satisfaction is in Christ and what he's done. That is what joy is. And so we're finally coming to our passage of giving thanks. Uh, it's, you guys have had patience. You guys have endured this message. But you guys have made it. And we're, we're getting to the thanksgiving part. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I think that's a really, really important verse. Giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of saints in light. So before God's grace entered our lives, we all were unqualified. We were all unqualified and disqualified of God's grace and love. But because he did love us, and he does love us, he stepped in and qualified us. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you, all of you who believe, to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That's, that's beautiful. We're, we're all sinners and saints, once again. We are all uh, masterpieces uh, that start off with brokenness, but God changes us and transforms us into a masterpiece. Verse 13, because why? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. 
So all of us, before Christ, we were hopeless. We were all destined for wrath. We were all destined to go to hell. But because of what Christ did on the cross, we are now able to be delivered from the domain of darkness and instead be delivered to the kingdom of God, heaven. And not only that, in verse 14 it says, in Christ, the Son, right? In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins, the forgiveness of the things that we have done wrong in this life. And this is beautiful. This is beautiful because all of us have done so many different things that we wish we wouldn't have, right? We've all made mistakes. We've all done things we regret and wish we could take back. But when we have Christ, we are redeemed. We are saved. And I think it was you, Ash, that said this. Uh, we, are, we are redeemed not only from our sins and what we've done, but we're also redeemed for something for something greater. And so that, that greater thing that we're saved for is serving the church, serving people, loving on people, uh, being kind to people, uh, being able to be a light to people, living for Christ. Uh, verse 10 where it said, walking in a, in a way that's worthy of Christ. And, and I think that's super important. I just want to share a couple quotes with you real quick. Like I said, I might need a bigger pulpit next time. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I have a quote from Charles, Spur Charles Spurgeon. Uh, this is on Thanksgiving. He who would serve God must begin by praising God for a grateful heart is the mainspring of obedience. We must offer the salt of gratitude with the sacrifice of obedience. Our lives should be anointed with the precious oil of thankfulness. What is this thankfulness? Thankfulness to God. As soldiers march to music, so while we walk in the paths of righteousness, we should keep step to the notes of thanksgiving. Lark sings as they mount, so should we magnify the Lord for his mercies, while we are winging our way to heaven. And that's, that's beautiful because we are so thankful for what God has done in our lives. And I think a lot of times it's easy when life isn't going our way to be very ungrateful or to be very unthankful, uh, to be overwhelmed, I would say, and to be stressed. But when we turn to God, when we look to Him for our hope, when we turn to Him, we can trust that he's with us, and we can also be thankful what he's done for us. I have one more quote from Charles Spurgeon. I know I doubled up on the Charles Spurgeon quotes, but I really like Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> Here is a standing reason for thanksgiving. Although we may not always be healthy, nor always be prosperous, yet God is always good. And therefore, there is always a sufficient argument for giving thanks unto Jehovah. Jehovah is another name for God, uh, separate from Jehovah's Witnesses, just so you guys know. <laughs> that he is a good God, essentially, that he cannot be otherwise than good, should be a fountain of which 
the richest praises should perpetually flow. So, loving God, I think, starts with the heart of thankfulness. Thankfulness for what He's done in our lives. Thankfulness that we once were sinners, but we don't have to continue living in our sins. That we don't have to continue living in darkness or hopelessness. That we have Christ that has set us free. And so, my question is, now what? How can I apply this to my life? How can you guys apply this to your lives, and how can I apply this to my life? Well, you'll see, believers, I have something for you, and non-believers, I also have something for you. For believers, uh, three things to be thankful for. In verse 12, those who seem unqualified for anything in life become the qualified for Christ. That's seen in verse 12. And then in verse 13, we once were in darkness, enslaved to evil and sin, and now we have found true freedom and light in Christ. And then verse 14, uh, I'm, I'm summarizing the verses. We have been redeemed from a penalty of death for our sins. We were saved from our sins, but we are also saved for good works. And then for non-believers, if you haven't experienced these three things and aren't able to be thankful for these things, I would say, do what I did when I was a non-believer. Bring your brokenness, bring your life, whatever you're going through, bring it to Jesus. He can be our mender, he can be our healer, and savior of our hearts, our souls, and lives. A life living for God is worth living. It's more than worth it. And I found my purpose in my life is to live for God. I don't think there's any other meaning. and I'm not here to be rich. The only riches I want is in Christ. So I think we all uh, need Jesus and could be thankful for him and what he's done. Would you guys pray with me as the band uh, comes up? Dear Lord, thank you for loving us and cherishing us and being kind to us when we're unkind or, or living uh, with difficulties, God. I, I pray that we continue to serve you and live for you. And if, if we're dealing with brokenness, I pray that we can bring our brokenness to you, God. Thank you for your word and all that you're doing, uh, that you've done in, in your word, God, and that you're doing in our hearts, God. I pray for this church, and I pray that you continue to guide us and love us and keep us, God. In your wonderful name, Father God. Amen. Awesome.